Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You got to do the one where you learn a magic trick. And uh, it just looked. Jane is covering her eyes. She doesn't want to see my magic tricks. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Weeds on the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Iglesias, here today with Jane Coaston and the great Zach Beecham, uh, joining us, uh, usually usually a, a worldly podcast guy, but um, did a great article recently about incels, and this is a, a subject, uh, I don't know, Jane and I have been wanting to talk about for a long time. Yes. Zach actually knows something about it. Um, so, you know, let's, let's assume perhaps our Weeds listeners are, are not that online. They don't know this lingo. Mercifully, not that online. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you, you don't really need to know about this. Maybe so you actually, get, you do. Maybe yeah. you get all your all your info from uh, from podcasts. Um, but just like really broadly, like what are incels? Okay, so the word incel stands for involuntary celibate, and incels involuntary celibates, and they are uh, a movement of men online who are, as they sound, people who would like to be in a long-term relationship or just having sex and cannot seem to be able to find a partner. Now, it's not bad in and of itself that people who fit that description are hanging out with each other on the internet. The problem is that these people have developed a very insular and very radical and very misogynistic community, which has, in at least two documented instances, uh, helped inspire mass violence. One in Santa Barbara in 2014, and the other last year in Toronto in 2018. Or ten people were killed by a, a self-described incel who ran people down with a van. Right, like so. Basically, what you have is a group of people who are lonely and make each other angrier and angrier and angrier in their various different online spaces until one of them does something really violent and scary. And then that violence, you know, and I think that, that we see this because I think the story of incels is also just a story of online radicalization and how it can take place in communities where you may not expect it. Um, you know, the violence then creates more violence because the people who take part in these violent acts are then part of this hagiography. You know, there's kind of the person who committed an act of 
incel-related violence in Santa Barbara has now become, you know, people call him a saint on incel forums. And it's especially fascinating, and you brought this up in the article, because the person who came up with the term incel and kind of the beginnings of this concept was a queer woman. That's right. So it dates back as a online movement to the mid-late 1990s, where this woman whose name is Alana, she likes to keep her last name out of the news now for somewhat obvious reasons, basically had, after getting into her first serious relationship later in life, wanted to put together a forum for people who, like her, had had difficulty with dating and romance for a long period of time. So she starts this forum, and it really, you know, initially is is very different than what it is right now. It's more like the sort of idealized version, not perfect, obviously, but you have men and women participating. You have people giving each other advice on how to talk to people of whatever their desired sex or gender is. It's pretty inclusive. It, it like... It seems good early on, and that was the point of it, right, is that Alana wanted to provide emotional and moral support to people who are having what are undeniably really, really serious and traumatic life difficulties in one of the most intimate spheres that's difficult to talk about in real life. Then things changed over the course of, I'd say, about – 10 to 15 years. Uh, And that is the internet's fault because as it turns out, the internet is a terrible place. (laughs) No, uh, but I mean, so like what, what, what specifically uh, do you mean? I mean, what what, what would you describe in the piece? It seemed to me is like, okay, so you have a a collection of people, uh, men and women, but mostly men, uh, various, uh, you know, issues, difficulties, frustrations. You would expect people in a forum like that to express a kind of range of views, a range of sentiments. Uh, But it's a dynamic where unless you police ugly behavior very aggressively, there's a kind of like internet forum Gresham's Law, right, where like being shitty in a web forum like drives out the people who don't want that. And you you wind up eventually with – like a a nasty misogynistic conversation, not necessarily because like the initial group of people all had a big change of heart, right? But because you get uh, successive waves of compositional effects. It's it's worse than that even in an incel community, right? I talked to this guy, he goes by Reformed Incel Online, who was in the community from the beginning and left when it got really toxic. And what he is describing uh, when, when we talked about this is that there's like an inherent tendency towards negativity that goes past what you're describing in incel forums because nobody actually wants to be an incel. Definitionally, if you're an incel, you're involuntarily celibate. So you don't want to be in this community, which means you have a certain level of resentment, anger, baseline unhappiness and loneliness. So the trick is to prevent that inherent negativity of the forum from spiraling downwards and uh, becoming something that could be you know, not not what it was supposed to be. And so aggressive forum moderation was a key part of it. And so in the early 2000s, you had the split between two main incel forums, right? One was called Incel Support, which was a lot like the early on incel community, and another called Love Shy, which was not really policed by moderators who were deleting misogynistic comments, who were getting rid of praise for mass killers targeting women, of which there had already been several. And it, that one started to cross-pollinate with other parts of the internet. And this is what I mean by the internet being terrible. I said that earlier on, mm-hmm. right? Is it's not, this isn't just like pure forum dynamics and people venting. It's there being different spaces that were set up online exclusively for the purpose of 
being misogynistic and terrible. And I mean, they they had various different ways of describing it, but that was the that's how I would describe a men's rights forum. Right. This ties into a lot of different in- internet communities, and one of them would be the men's rights activists, known as MRAs, and then in the early days, pickup artists, known as PUAs. And so, specifically with MRAs, those communities kind of came into incel forums, where. Incel forums that were attempting at the, as you point out in your article, that were attempting to be places where people could talk about, you know, I don't want to be in this community. What can I do to get better? MRAs came in and were like, well, your problem is women. It has nothing to do with you. Your problem is that women are bad. And that's when you get into this um, entire discussion. There's this, um, these terms like, for instance, uh, Stacy's and Chad's. So Stacy is this kind of, idealized and yet deeply loathed woman figure who always chooses the Chad who is supposed to be like this virile idiot. And there are different forms of Chad depending on your race, um, which is a whole other thing. But this idea that women are always making these terrible decisions. They are friend zoning you, i.e. not having sex with you despite you being nice to them because that's how people should work. The YouTuber ContraPoints did a great video on this subject. And she pointed out that there is like kind of this spiraling that you see within incel forums of kind of like it will, you know, you saw the shift away from like, okay, what can we do to not be incels anymore? more to I will be an incel forever, mostly because they keep telling each other that. And well, there's an element of kind of the self-harm of people posting pictures of themselves and then other people telling them, you're ugly, you're terrible, your jaw is bad, you will never not be alone. This is what I think is interesting, though, right? So if you have, right, the, the, there's, there's this word like like the manosphere, yes. right, which encompasses a range of, shall we say, anti-woke <coughs> political perspectives on the internet, right? Well, it's not even anti-woke. It's specifically like anti-women or the existence of women or the concept of women. Like the level of like like referring to women as roasties because their genitals look like roast beef. Like this is not this is not about wokeness. It is about a deep and distinct loathing for the concept and existence of women. Well, I was trying to draw a distinction, Jane. A distinction, right? No, because here's the thing, right? You will find in uh, PUA circles and in incel circles, I would say some similar objectifying notions about women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But there is a fundamental, like, difference in orientation because the whole ethos, right, and, and they and they have all this jingo, uh, lingo, right? But, like, in, in the PUA zone, right, they talk about taking the red pill, right. right? And when you take the red pill, like, you see that feminism is bad and women don't really want nice guys and you've got to get out of the friend zone. And, like, do all this, like, weird shit to, like, get them to have sex with you. But it is a very um, optimistic, right? Right. And, like, self-efficacy-inducing worldview. And, like, oftentimes skirts the line, I would say, between, like, banal common sense and, like, total insanity with regard to, like, 
if you ate healthier food and worked out more in the gym and like tried to develop some interesting lines and just got over your fears and approached more women, like you would have more success dating, right? And there's like a way of phrasing all that stuff where I think it makes total sense and is good advice. And there's like a way of phrasing all that stuff where it becomes like crazy, like nearly sociopathic behavior. But like either way, the premise of that whole thing is that like if you think about this, like analytically and work hard on it and listen to the advice of other more successful men, like you can do it too, right? right. It's like you can be Chad, right? The incels have this, they call it like the black pill. Right? Black pilling, right? yeah. And it's this, it's this other turn where it's like, it's not that you don't know what to do or you are nervous or you are somehow held back in your goals. It's that it's impossible. Right. That there's this like ineluctable math of like Chad's and Stacy's and you are just like doomed. And it's not that it's not that different in terms of the like political orientation from the red pill, but it is so different in terms of like the practical meaning. Well, yeah. On the one hand, they both see women as basically machines, right? They just think women have different programming is their disagreement um, or perhaps aliens. You know, red pillars think women are a game that can be played a video game with a win condition where you manipulate it right and then you get sex, which like – the entitlement behind that whole worldview is a whole separate thing. Right. Uh, well, we can all agree that that's terrible. Um, for incels, it's women, uh, they just don't want you. They're robots pre-programmed to throw themselves at the highest status in incel world. That means the most attractive men. The term that they use is hypergamous or hypergamy to describe a society in which women's desire for the highest status men and most attractive men dominate the way social relations work. And there's also a and, term uh, looks matching. This idea that women should, uh, you know, if you are a two let, 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 in within the world, like let's say that there's sure. a scale between one and ten and ten would be like the hottest person alive and one is not. You know, if you are a woman and you're a three, you should be with a male three because this is a world in which n no one is queer, FYI. But in, you know, in incel parlance, they're like all these threes are dating all these chads and that's not fair. And they're, they're, that's when you start getting into like, you know, some incel forum people argue that like the government should get involved. And there's actually been like discussions off the Internet with people who should know far better arguing in a sense that in some ways some overarching authority should be in some ways, one, responsible for men getting to have sex. And two, that there should you know, there should be some means by which the government or someone like makes things better for incels because they clearly cannot. Yeah, I don't want to skip over the point that um, Matt was just making, yeah. though, about the relationship between these two communities. Right. Uh, because, you know, the the modern incel community was heavily influenced by conversations on a, like, early 2010s website called Puahate, pickupartisttape.com, yeah. um, which was born out of reaction for, from men who were trying pickup artist techniques and failing with women. And so their view wasn't we're doing it wrong. It's the pickup artists are scams. They're scam guys. And the truth is that women won't like us no matter what. So it, it was a space that produced much of the current incel ideology as it exists. And not only that, but the Santa Barbara killer was 
very active on Puahate, and he writes about it in his manifesto. And that and that place is where he started identifying as an incel term. He only used a few times. Like he wasn't really big into the modern incel community, but clearly seemed to see himself as such. And he tried pickup artist stuff, not really. Like he never really approached women. He just like tried reading it. But the the point of all of this is that we forget how mainstream pickup artistry was yes. in the late 2000s I don't forget. and early 2010s. No, like we as a culture, oh, right? right? Like there's an, M- there's an MTV TV show, right. right? A reality show about these men trying pickup artist things. And the winner, uh, you know, the one who was most successful at bars picking up women got to be like pickup artist of the year of whatever award they had in this stupid show. And even kind of PUA parlance has kind of worked its way into mainstream culture, even the concept of negging. Yes, the idea that if you just subtly insult a woman, that that will make her more interested in you. Because again, this is not about trying to actually meet someone who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. This is a a power dynamic driven concept of human relationships. I I think you're selling that short. <laughs> um, okay, wait. Let, let, let's take a break because I, I, I want to loop back to some some analytical questions about this. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up, and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. So, you know, one question I, I always have reading about this is like, what do we know about who the incels are, right? Because to me, like, I don't know, I'm like, I'm like a little too old for a lot of this like internet stuff. And so to me, like, okay, you have a time in your life, you're like a young man, maybe not the best looking person you've ever met, 
maybe not the smoothest operator. You're spending some years feeling kind of frustrated. Okay, like we've been there. That seems like that could apply to a very broad set of people. Yeah, right? it, it's it's broader than you'd think, actually. We don't have like scientific studies because incels do not like talking to people who are outside of their right. spaces, right? Like when I made uh, or used my Reddit account to try to ask for interview subjects on one of the incel subreddits, I got banned within an hour because they hate journalists so much. No, but I, I, sorry, I, I mean like there's like there's the condition of like I'm a man who would like to be having sex, but I am not. Yeah. Currently, right? Involuntarily and celibate. And you would think of that as like, okay, like a lot of high school kids, right? Right. And then like some people don't and so forth, but like a kind of a a state of being that I think a lot of people would pass through through some point in their life and then kind of work their way out of and probably never think of as like an identity or a self ascription. You know what I mean? It's like you're sitting there, you're in high school, you're like trying to figure things out. You're like listening to weird music, you know, you're like yeah. into angry shit. Um, I don't know, maybe you use the internet or not, yeah. right? Versus like involuntary celibate as like your label. Like a like like a life state, right? Yeah. Like is that rather than a period of your life that right. every human being has. But like, are these people who are like, are they like forty five? For, for the and, most and part, really no, know? no. Right. Demographically, um, again, we only have these non scientific surveys, right. which is the point I was trying to make. That these, you know, polls that subreddits and incel forums yeah. have done of their users. But from what we can tell, um, about eighty percent of them are living in North America or Europe. Uh, they are overwhelmingly under thirty, um, usually in high school or university or a little afterwards. Um, they are not as white as you'd think based on this, you know, the way that a lot of people assume, right? It's actually pretty diverse racially, despite being, again, heavily quarantined in North America and Europe. But they're, yeah, they're young. And that's the thing is they're young and they think based not only on their current life experiences, but based on what they read on these sites. Right. That they are doomed to always be an incel. And it's this way of like thinking – my problems in high school are the eternal biggest, most serious problems, the things that like get people into Ayn Rand when they're in high school because right. they get like really invested in their own personal journey and the importance of their own life. Right. Like that that sort of grandiosity gets attached to this label that is supposed to be permanent in the black pill ideology. Yeah. And, and there's a term for this uh, catastrophizing language. So for instance, like the top, you know, at the base layer, it's like women will not have sex with me. And then you go from women will not have sex with me to women will never have sex with me. I will never not be alone. I will never not be on these forums with other angry people. My life is essentially over and is meaningless. And, you know, that's kind of the black pilling. But the fact that you go from a period where, you know, some people were reading Ayn Rand. I was listening to Nine Inch Nails and Static X a whole lot. But like everyone has this period. But in these forums, because it is, you know, these forums in many ways are, I would say they're kind of similar. If people remember in the early days of Tumblr that there was a big concern about uh, Anna and Mia communities uh -huh. aimed at young women, which for anorexia and bulimia. And you saw the same kind of catastrophizing there of women, young women and some young men basically encouraging each other to, for, to make their eating disorders worse by telling them, like, you can't get better. It will never get better. There's no such thing as better. 
not even like saying that like your eating disorder is good, but saying you cannot recover. There is no recovery. Any sort of misstep in your path towards recovery is just like, the end of your path to recovery. There is no getting better. And you just keep spiraling in these messaging. And you know, that's why I think that there's you know, uh, contrapoints and others have argued that incel forms like these are forms of self-harm. One of the most depressing things that I found while I was researching this piece is a subreddit that Reddit has since deleted called Incel Graveyard. And it was nothing but suicide notes posted by incels to the various different incel subforums. And do we know how many of those were actual instances of self-harm? No, we don't. But the fact that it was so normalized in the community, they have a term for it, roping, and they all say they're going to do it at one point. Right. Right. Like, there's no way that this doesn't contribute to instances of of actual self-harm. Well, and, you know, so I was just, like, trying to check out incels.net, see what's going on. And, like, I saw a post there, and, and the title is WTF Straight Women. Um, and, and the guy is saying, I just don't understand straight women these days. We all know Chad's an asshole, but they sleep with the same type of guy and is surprised when it blows up in their face. Or the woman that's like, fuck men, but they still want a man. Like, dudes, make up your fucking mind. You can't treat men like actual shit and then want them to marry you. And, like, this is, like, the most cliche sentiment that I have ever heard, right? right? It's something that anyone, you know, you reach like my advanced age of 38, married, dad, and it's like, yeah, there's a time when you have had the thought of this post. Your friends have said it at one time or another. And I just want to be like, you know what, buddy, like, calm down. (laughs) Like, it's okay. Like, women are allowed to make mistakes in their dating life. You should just try to be like a little self-critical about yourself, you know, and like, work on it, whatever, like it's all going to be fine. But instead, the reply here is like, nope, Chad can be a nice guy and still romantically successful. It's all about the way you look. Boom. And done. Right. There's like both no like actual sympathy for like the emotional pain that the original poster is in. But then no like intellectual criticism. There's no like I, I I see you, like I hear you, but like you're wrong. And we got it's instead just like the problem you have is like you just need to adopt this ideology of despair. Yeah. Right. And it's like it's so it's just like it's it's honestly like upsetting to me in a way that like almost nothing else that I have ever seen is like forms were like, I don't know, there's just like people dealing with like Problems that are both real, but like also quite banal in their way. And like really just like kind of need to, I feel like need to be told like, you know, like it's going to be all right, man. Like, like, like relax, try to like de-catastrophize your thinking. And instead like blowing it up and like, yes, like then infested with this like really like toxic hate ideologies too. But I can just imagine a world of like more like dunking on these people and like further spiraling when it's just like it's so normal like young people have i don't know like problems with their dating life and and it very much and especially because this is incels treat this as like a like almost a genetic illness that you know there's a lot of discussions of plastic surgery and whether or not that would be effective there are certain well, you know, we don't have to get into this, but there are cert- like there are you know certain like specific exercises recommended to incels to fix whatever it is that's wrong with them. But the underlying thing is like 
this probably won't work. And then incels tell each other, like, this won't work for you. You are too far gone. And, you know, but something else I want to get at is I, I we can't talk about this in a vacuum because, as we mentioned, a lot of these forums have been heavily influenced by MRAs showing up or just kind of this overall sense of deep loathing for women whom they believe cannot be incels, despite the fact that the, the concept was developed by a queer woman and the fact that being celibate when you don't want to be is a really pretty standard human experience, no matter your sex or gender. Like, that's basically the entire, you know, that's something everyone goes through. And yet on incel forums, there's this idea that women, any woman, literally any woman could get with a quote unquote chat at any point, because even if I remember that there was um, I went back and was looking at kind of some old forum posts from a well-known incel site where a woman posted and was like, I, you know, I feel this way. This has been really difficult. And all of the responses are like, you're just some fucking Stacy who doesn't know it. How dare you be here? No woman can be an incel like and just, just like a litany of just rank misogyny because the hate that the that incel forums contribute to people feeling inside is also heavily directed outwardly as right. we've seen in these terms of mass violence they, and they also talk about the things that they do in their everyday life to target women right and i and we don't again no scientific data hard to know how real the bragging on the internet is. But whenever people talk about incels, they talk about mass casualty shootings. They don't talk about things like an incel that I read who claims to serially sexually harass women on public transit. There's another incel that I saw who was talking to a woman at his office who was being nice to him, and he decided that she was flirting with him. And uh, when it, he found out that she had a boyfriend, he was so angry that he injected his own semen into chocolate bars that she ate as a way of punishing her for this. There's another one who claims to work in a laboratory that does cancer research and bragged about redirecting funding away from cervical and ovarian cancer, uh, partially as a way of getting back at women and partially to, you know, fund testicular cancer instead because, you know, men are great and so on. And like we <sighs> – I, I don't know how real these examples are and the, how much the they're fact that they're venting. using the fact that they're you know you see people on these forums egging each other on to be yeah. like that's a great idea to essentially commit biological warfare using your own semen like it's weird because whenever you start talking about online forums you get kind of get into like you know one discussing the internet with people who are not super online is challenging in and of itself, but also making it clear that what, you know, we're talking about incel forms right now, but we're also talking about online radicalization that is taking place on a lot of different forums right now. And, you know, you know I write a lot about white nationalism and there's a, you know, a terrific piece in the Daily Beast today talking about how online forums are essentially breeding lone wolf white nationalists because they recognize as many jihadist groups have before, that that's way harder to track, you know, on an individual basis rather than like a group action with like to urge like a mass casualty event via group action. But, you know, the story of online radicalization, you know, when we talk about YouTube's algorithm or we talk about you know, how you go from like, I'm lonely, I want to talk to other lonely people and get ideas to the 
absolute wildness that it's kind of today's incel forums to the mass violence caused by, in, in several cases, by people who self-describe themselves as, as or describe themselves as incels. This is a bigger story than just this particular community, and I think that that you know that's why it's so important to talk about it. Well, and it's an interesting radicalization nexus because if you think about a sort of stereotype of a target of sort of any kind of extremist recruiting, right? It often sort of fits this model, right? Like a youngish, lonely young man, you know, who's frustrated, angry in the world. And then this thing, right, whether it's a white supremacist group or whatever, gives you a sense of like order and meaning and belonging and sets you off on a path to sort of extreme activity. And what the incel ideology does is it taps almost like more directly into that sentiment, right? Because it's like an actual ideology about your sources of isolation and frustration. And, you know, it's hard to know exactly if anyone is really doing the stuff that they're saying they're doing on the internet. But they are clearly, like, they are trying to change the value system, right? To make people think that, like, it would be good to do things, to, to say you did things that in the normal world, like, you would never say you did, even if you had done them, right? Like, you would be ashamed and not admit it, right? And they're creating a a, a transposition of, like, social norms and social values to do with people's fairly mundane day-to-day interactions, right? Because the other way that's, that's different, right, is we live in a very racially segregated society, but everybody interacts with people of the other gender, like, all the time. That's just how things go, right? And if you're telling people, like, you should maximize your opportunities to behave in, like, cruel and harmful ways to women, that's very real. It's a very, like, easy kind of escalator to get on. Though I would say that um, in uh, some of these instances, the incels themselves— they seem, uh, some of them obviously are in like jobs and workplaces where they do have to interact with women. But then you also see people who are like, I I never speak with women. I never interact with women. I want to talk a little bit about how this gets broad because there is a lot of concern among, you know, on kind of a bipartisan basis among conservatives and liberals about basically young men who feel lonely and kind of dispossessed and thus are, you know, the argument is that they're more vulnerable to radicalization. And, you know, we've seen that, you know, I think that people have probably talked about this in other countries when it comes to kind of the rise of kind of jihadism and kind of terrorist movements. But in some senses, you know, when you look at the incel movement and this idea of like lonely, isolated young men who are radicalized on an internet forum, the fact that the radicalization is all about looks matching and blackpilling and whether or not they should have a facial surgery so that they can be more like Chad and attract more Stacey's, the specifics are almost in a sense less important than the fact that this is happening. The urge towards radicalization, the urge towards catastrophization, and the urge towards violence, that's very real. There's this term that's gotten popular in the current terrorism and violence literature. The term is stochastic terrorism. A stochastic process is a kind of random one where things emerge in an unpredictable and well, random fashion. Uh, and so stochastic. Yeah, but ter- if you say stochastic instead of random, it yeah, sounds, it sounds, sounds very scientific. Yeah, it I'm sounds gonna... smarter. <laughs> Just uh, pay attention to this podcast because I'm going to use that word yeah. a lot. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. You'll, you'll sound like you're a social scientist. Um, but so what the term means, stochastic terrorism, is it refers to this idea that there's like a bunch of these ideas out there and that they will 
translate into violence in an unpredictable and random way. Like with Al-Qaeda, you can be like, oh, they're organizing a plot, right? That right. is not mm -hmm. random. It's deliberate and it's devised. But with incels or some ISIS forums or, you know, or white nationalists in, yeah. in Jane in the way that you were talking about them, it's like – Someone will read this. You don't know who exactly. You can sort of predict. Loneliness does seem – and social isolation and a sense of discrimination by society do seem to be real correlates with these things. Interestingly, not class. Um, but it's a separate conversation. And, you know, Someone like that will read these forums and one of them will be inspired to violence and one of them will do something, whether it's a mass casualty attack like Santa Barbara or Toronto, uh, whether it's – um, you know, uh, harassing a woman on public transit, whether it's as uh, the Santa Barbara shooter did before he escalated to real terrorism, he threw coffee in women's faces because it was just a way of venting his rage. They didn't do anything to him. He just was angry. And so like the way in which these processes in these spaces translate and inspire direct violence is not clear. In like a linear sense. Right. But we know that it's happening. And I would also say that talking about kind of the group dynamics and group isolation, you know, when you read the Santa Barbara Killers Manifesto or you see the incel forums, they are not talking about a woman. They are talking about the concept of women, which is actually why in some senses I do compare it to white nationalism, because it's this idea that like oh, this individual Jewish person is not a Jewish person. They are all Jewish people. And so you see in that manifesto, you see these other examples that when they're targeting women, they're targeting all women, including like the woman who didn't take their Starbucks order quickly enough 10 years ago. And you see in white nationalist forums, this idea of like, I'm targeting George Soros by shooting people in this synagogue. This idea of, in your own imagination, the worst example of this group is who who your target is at all times. So it's fascinating because, you know, some of these insult forms, it come, they come into it because of a specific thing that happened or they got turned down by one woman or they were nervous to, uh, to talk to one woman. And then other people on those forums tell them like, well, that's just everyone. That's right. all of them. Yeah, that, that's no, every single one of them. That's the key thing in the commonality in the cases, right? Yeah. So I also recently read the, the Poe Synagogue Shooters yeah. Manifesto and, you know, he hits this classical anti-Semitic trope of – all the Jews are in on the conspiracy, right? Yes, so killing one sure. of them is a blow against the conspiracy, which right. as a Jew, I can say not true. We don't have meetings for the record. Zach and <laughs> I can inspire. Uh, <laughs> we did, to have this podcast. And like it, you see something similar in, in the incel forums. They don't think women are having some kind of nefarious conspiracy meeting, but they do have a term called AWALT or all women are like that. And it means that all women fundamentally are the status seeking hypergamous kind of thing. And are undifferentiated and have and if they have the same basic desire set, they all are in on this not intentional plot, but social plot to hurt you and deny you sex. And so killing one woman is justified. Any woman is justified because they're all like that. They're all bad. It's it's in both cases, the logic is different, but the ultimate homogenizing impulse, the idea that everyone who is part of this particular marginalized and hated group is the same fundamentally. That's what they have in common. So, you know, I, I will say, though, you know, that I, I remember the whole, like, uh, pickup artist thing. And then that I felt like it kind of went to abeyance or I, I don't know. I didn't think about it much. Um, and then I started reading about about incels. Right. And like it just 
I kept feeling like it's like you need to like arm the moderate incels with PUA tactics because it seems like an identical, somewhat pathological worldview, but like one twist into like a path that I can see like like leading out into like normal life and like healthy interactions with other human beings. And then this other like, because it really is crazy, right? The story is like, oh, there was this girl who I liked and I thought I had a chance with her, but then she didn't like me. And people are coming back instead of like, oh man, that sucks. They're like, yes, all interactions with all women will inevitably end that way. And he's, I just like want to write back to like each of these posts, like why? Like, why would you think that? Like what? Try, try, try talking to two women, three, seven. I don't know, man. Like what? Like what? What is? What do they expect from the world? It's also, like it's oh, it's so weird. Well, I will oh. I will say I've read a number of insult posts where they talk about repeated approaches. And there's one guy in actually the the semen chocolate bar guy tried a thousand different approaches and doc literally and he documented them Ooh. on the insult form. And I listened to that's the, a tough one. You got to do the one where you learn a magic trick and uh, it just looked <laughs> Jane is covering her eyes. Well, she doesn't want to see my magic tricks. And, and this is actually <laughs> in, in all seriousness. I taught myself that, uh, to juggle. This is. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, can't can't let that go. Um, look, um, like, I listened to the audio of this guy's approach, right? And the problem with teaching these people to think like pickup artists is pickup artists are still misogynist. Yes. Yeah. And women, uh, also, like, like the women uh, involved, yeah. like the yeah. women who, you know, and I think that this is the challenge when you talk about any sort of kind of radical community. And, and, and I mean radical and not the fun way. But the radicalization of, you know, white nationalists or incels, the victim of that, you know, we could talk about how incels in some sense, it's a sense of it's a self-harm mechanism that's really deeply dangerous to them, but also the victims of this, who in this case are women who have done nothing. Oftentimes, that is why people are angry at them. And so, you and in some of these cases, you'll hear the descriptions of how incels are like, you know, I looked at this woman and she looked at me and I knew that that's where I, she, she knew I was an incel. And you're just like, or from the woman's perspective, why is this dude staring at me? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm yeah. very busy. Sure. I have things to do as I am a real adult person with a rich inner life of my own making. And maybe even these women are like, you know, I'm having a really hard time meeting someone. I've been on Match or Tinder and it hasn't gone well. You know, that's something, but like, but the, the inter- maybe you had an interaction with a woman who was a huge asshole. Right. I mean, there's billions women of people be, on the planet. W- like, women, they're allowed. Women can be assholes too. Yeah. That's equality. Sure. Right. No, I mean, that's what's strange about it to me, right? It's like, yes, like maybe she's a lovely person, but like also maybe not, but like who cares? Right. They, uh, the, but that's because they all, they, use their own pathology as justification for thinking all women are like that, right? right? In the case of this Thousand Approaches guy, he is all, he's really creepy in these interactions. Like, what he, what he says is yeah, horrifying. Well, don't, don't be creepy. You, you, yeah. you mean that the creepy guy who recorded th- a thousand of his interactions with women was creepy in those yeah, interactions no, shocking, with women? right? Stunning news. But I just think he takes this as proof that yeah. women are bad. Right. Because he did the same thing over and over again. And everyone in the forum is like, damn, you proved that women don't like incels. And it's like, no, he didn't. Yeah. He proved that if you treat women badly, it's not going to work out well for you. And like, what they what they really need is a separate space like the original incel community, yeah. which some of the original people are trying to remake, where you can be taught that like things can get better. 
if you have a healthier approach to the world, maybe you'll be happier and you'll be more successful in your romantic relationships. Like you need a, a real incel support space. But because it's interesting because I just want to get it like that this experience is so universal and it actually kind of reminds me. You know, this is obviously very different, but the motivation for the It Gets Better campaign, which came about in a sense to try and prevent LGBT youth from committing suicide, was showing LGBT youth that there was a future, that there is something, you know, you can be an adult LGBT person who has relationships and like can have conversations and can be out and that good things can happen to you even if things are really hard right now. And I think, you know, to me, when I was a, a young LGBT youth, as I as I once was, you know, that really meant something because it's a pretty universal experience to feel when you're young, especially, you know, even under the age of 30, to feel as if like, well, this is just what my whole life looks like now. I will always be, you know, at the time, like, always be an intern at this place I don't particularly like and lonely and having difficulty meeting people. It turns out that the life I had at 22 is not the life I have now at 31. Staggering shock, I know. But like, this is not a isolated incident of people believing that the current state of their life is the permanent state of their life. But it is, you know, the on these forums, this idea that, like, you people just keep telling each other that. And, you know, it, it's something to be said about how the Internet is a kind of place where you, you – know, someone was talking specifically about the YouTube algorithm on Twitter yesterday and saying that, like, they fell asleep while watching beauty tutorials and woke up to, like, what's in Area 51? And it, <laughs> but, like – in a lot of ways, that seems to be kind of how the internet itself works, that you start a forum for, like, I'm lonely and not sure what to do about it. And then, like, five to ten years later, you get murder. But, like, the isolation of people who are taking part in a universal experience is like, really what gets me here. All right. Can I get another break? We're going we're gonna to take on our, uh, our research paper. Excellent. Okay, we, we got a good one today. This is by Nikki Shore from uh, University College London. It, it takes on, frankly, two of my favorite topics, teens and bullshit. Um, and, and what she did was she she took advantage of the PISA study, which is an international, uh, I don't know, it's like an international standardized test, um, to try to look across several different English-speaking countries, uh, U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, she considers the U.K. four different countries for these purposes, um, which I, I guess is fine. Um, and, and is is asking these smuggles onto the test, right, a question where it asks people to rate their proficiency in 16 different sub-areas of math, uh, except three <laughs> of the sub-areas are fake, uh, proper numbers, subjunctive scaling, and um, declarative fractions uh, do not exist. Right? Oh, thank God. So she is, <laughs> she is trying to assess how many people will claim proficiency in these fake subfields um, and, and who. And I guess, um, you know, the, the, the internet enjoyed this study because it showed that men are more likely to uh, be bullshitting no one than, is surprised than women that one. and also that um, higher socioeconomic status men more so than lower socioeconomic status men. Uh, this got written up. I, I saw it. It was written up in the in the Washington Post and it was like privileged young men are 
more likely to talk nonsense. But it was illustrated not with like a picture of a teen taking this test, but of like a like 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 a young business dude in a in a suit. Um, but I do think it's worth being clear that like well, that's like the dunk that people sort of want to do. It's not actually what they studied here. It's it's teenagers. And, and the other thing she finds though is that in the U.S. and Canada, as with a lot more bullshit. Uh, than than Europe or Australasia. Um, and also, though, that in the U.S., these class and gender skews are smaller uh, because there's a, there's, a, there's a higher overall level of bullshit. Yeah, I found that that part of it striking, right? Because it wasn't just the U.S. You'd, you'd want to think that this is like an American exceptionalism thing. It's the U.S. and Canada. And it's really like, a burn on the Canadian self-image, I think, actually, <laughs> yeah, that, they, some... that they match the United States in this quality. I, I don't understand. Like, I, I've been struggling since I first read this paper to try to think of, like, what could be the cross-cutting cultural thing about North America that makes it more prone to bullshit than other English-speaking countries in the Pacific or Europe. Well, and, I and actually— I don't really know. Tell so, us about New Zealand, Jane. So there's a fascinating phenomenon, and it tends to exist in Commonwealth countries specifically, so Australia and New Zealand, where it's something called tall poppy syndrome. And it's this idea. Now, if you take, if you imagine a garden and you have a row of poppies, the idea is that the tallest poppy, the one that stands out the most, is the first to get cut down. So the idea is that you are, it, you know, it's very bad to stand out or be grandiose. And, you know, my spouse is from New Zealand. This is something we've talked about. Um, this idea that basically, you know, if you have any sort of achievement, like you would never claim that you know something that you do not in fact know because that would be, you know, standing out in a way that's exceptional. Like the even if you win the Rugby World Cup defeating Australia in an epic game in 2015, you're still like, oh, you know, it's just me and my mates just playing together, like really proud of the boys, really proud. You know, and even if you're the person who scored the winning try or did the biggest thing, you are very much like, no, 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 like it's not about me. It's very, you know, you, and you see this with kind of famous figures throughout New Zealand history for whom, you know, Sir Edmund Hillary returned from being, you know, the first person to climb Everest returned to New Zealand and just basically was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just a normal person. Please do not pay any, like, a great deal of attention to me. But this idea of, you know, and so obviously there would need to be another study on this, but that, you know, that is a cultural phenomenon that exists in some Commonwealth countries of very much not wanting to be Bullshit requires some level of grandiosity or kind of stepping above what the like the norm and in some countries i think that we're pulled that is very much looked down upon but of course canada is also a commonwealth country true so it's not this isn't that's not the key variable true like membership in the english commonwealth right it's, there's something that north american bullshit we just <laughs> we do it so well yeah i mean i don't know this made me wonder so 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 this paper has like a little riff on harry frankfurt's old essay on bullshit, which, which, One of your I, favorites. which I love. Yeah. Um, and so part of Frankfurt's idea, right, is that the essence of bullshitting is that you're not even really trying to trick anybody. You just kind of blabbing because um, you don't care. And I did wonder reading this paper if that is what's really going on here exactly because even though in a sense right like it's a standardized test like like what's what's the difference to me when I was thinking about it right when I was thinking about myself taking tests I was always taught that like a good test taking technique right is to try your best to answer the question 
different from like a journalism technique, right? If somebody asks you like, Matt, like what's the deal with the Green New Deal's CO2 targets, right? Like what I should say is to be honest, I'm not really sure. Like I would have to look into it more. But if I was taking a standardized test, I'd give it my best guess. You know, like that's like that's like the good way to take the test, right? But that's closer to lying. You know what I mean? Like like taking your best educated guess or, you know, if you're on Jeopardy, right? Or if you're even better example, like Trivial Pursuit, right? There's no penalty for wrong answers. So it's like if you get the question, you don't ever say like, oh, I'm not really sure. You don't, you don't want to be like a humble person. Like you want to try to figure it out and put it forward. And to me, like claiming in that context that like you know what a subjunctive scaling is, you know, seemed like that. Like like, like I, I, I could see myself pretending to know what subjunctive scaling is, figuring out I could I could muddle through if it comes up. Yeah, like methodologically, this seems less like a test of Harry Frankfurt bullshit than it does of like who's most likely to lie on their resume. Right. right. Because this isn't this is self-reporting something on a test that is designed to make you look good. Right. And so in this situation, it seems like uh wealthy white young teen men are more likely than others, all things being equal to inflate how good they are at things in a situation where that could lead them to gaining something down the line, which is always the implied premise of any standardized test, right? Is that you get something out of doing well on this. You get something out of making yourself look awesome here. Right. Uh, and so it seems more of a test of, of that. Yeah, to, right. Than, it's, it's like instrumental deception, it yeah. seems to me. Or maybe that's the difference between North America and Europe is that we interpret it that way. Oh, right. yeah. And, and, and a European <laughs> wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that sounds right, but it's it's it is telling how that like how much that idea of kind of like the that of course you would misrepresent what you know in order to get something. Which it's funny because I'm like thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, probably. Like, I would not be like respond with outrage if right. it turned out that somebody in a job interview had been like maybe exaggerating a little bit. You know, no, of course, if they made up something crazy and was like, yeah, yeah I worked at CNN for five years and they didn't, right? That's like, no, you're yeah. a sociopath. But if you're just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I've totally, I don't know. Like, that just to me sounds like, okay, you are like a normal, poised yeah. uh, person. And that actually, like, part of sometimes problematic, like, class dynamics in America is I'm not sure everybody knows that that's actually how people expect you to behave. Yeah. So, yeah, we need more bullshit. I don't know if that's the conclusion <laughs> I would draw from the study. No. No between, more bullshit? Between okay. moderate incels learning PUA tactics and uh, moderate bullshit, you know, and more bullshit. We're these, just, are, these are deeply linked concepts. It's true. Um, frankly. Um, so, okay, if you want to go into it to a non-toxic web, for, web forum, um, I really suggest the Weeds Facebook group. It's, it's lovely. Maybe a great place to meet people. I don't know. Um, you could you could lie a little bit about your accomplishments. Nobody's really going to care. Um, you know, it's good. It's a good, healthy, supportive maybe dishonesty-laden environment. And, and that's what we really aim to create here as a community. Um, so thanks, Zach, uh, for, for helping us out. Um, thanks, as always, to our producer, Jeffrey Geld. And The Weeds will return on Friday. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 